The following podcast contains coarse language and subject matter that you might find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Do not stand at my grave and weep. I am not there. I do not sleep. I am a thousand winds that blow. I am the diamond glints on snow. I am the sun on ripened grain. I am the gentle autumn rain. When you awaken in the morning's hush, I am the swift uplifting rush of quiet birds in circled flight. I am the soft stars that shine at night. Do not stand at my grave and cry. I am not there. I did not die. Oh, we know. Welcome to the world beyond the veil. This is Geist. often sent posts and articles on haunted locations. I love that about our listeners. This past October, I was flooded with messages about a family in particular. The Blumberg family, Heather, Aaron, Raph, and Noah, traded their Toronto home to move hours away to the township of Dresden to move into and renovate a 14,000 square foot Victorian funeral home from the 1800s. This pretty remarkable venture landed them a show called We Bought a Funeral Home. Streaming now on Discovery Plus. I recommend watching to really experience this super cool family that all have very different opinions on the paranormal. They're spooky and sweet, and I had the pleasure of driving three hours to Dresden to interview them in this remarkable modern-day Adams family home. It was the house of my nightmares, and I hope to live there one day, which is why I think past residents haven't left either. I think the dynamic of my family is definitely a particular one. I think not something every person or other family could relate to, maybe. We're very expressive. We, um, we tell it like it is. If it, if it maybe isn't too appropriate, it's probably on point. With moving to Dresden, we, if anything, got closer as a family and got more open, especially when you're doing a reality TV show. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, we're all aggressive and expressive, but um, as much as we may pretend to, we're very loving. I think, honestly, we were looking for a change, and then it was the architecture, and then it was the potential of the building. We just, we couldn't say no. Uh, It was a really odd set of circumstances. We were literally sitting on the couch, we being my husband and I, Um, He was looking through Instagram and he found an article on the six mansions you could buy outside of Toronto if you cashed out of the city and bought one. We moved from uh, downtown Toronto, big city, loved being there, loved our neighbourhood, but couldn't pass up an opportunity to renovate a building like this. 
The architecture is, it's called Second Empire. Um, it's kind of gothic and it reminded us of the Adams family house. So middle of the pandemic, we were bored. We were like, we'll go and have a look at it. Not ever thinking we would move out of the city. The realtor listing was very clear to omit the fact that it was a funeral home. Um, we found that out on the drive down. Well, it's a it's a pretty long drive from the city. While H was googling and trying to figure out, you know, just learn more about the town, and that's when we figured out that it was a funeral home. Um, but didn't know much of the history of the building. I've only really learned that after the fact from stories from uh, from the people who live in the town. So when we first booked the appointment to come and view the house, we didn't know it used to be a funeral home. It was uh, the night before the viewing, and I found an article that documented the history of the house and the fact that it used to be a funeral home and that the current owners of the home were retiring as funeral directors. We've moved half a dozen times in my life, so moving was not that crazy of news. Even hearing, honestly, when it was a funeral home, you know, it didn't bother us as much as all of our friends that we told. So it wasn't until we actually got there, and I think when Noah and I first arrived, we realized how big of a renovation it was going to be. Then we started to get a little, I think, freaked out by just how, how massive the undertaking was. When we first toured the house, we got here before the realtor did, so we had an opportunity to sort of walk around the outside and see it. Um, they brought us in through the back of the house, through the garage, um, and we came up the stairs into what was the main service area where the chapel is and where they did the services. And it was just, the space opened up around us, the staircase going off with the stained glass, the light coming through, the sort of dustiness of those huge rooms. And I think we knew within the first three or four minutes of being in the building that we were going to have to buy it. So from the very first moment we walked into the home when we did the viewing, the house had really great energy. And it had been sitting empty for six years. The no, there was no heating, there was a lot of dust around, there was no lights on, so, but no bad vibes. Um, even Echu is very sensitive. She was, she was very relaxed in the building. She was very happy to be here. And I think that was part of the decision to buy it, that she wasn't creeped out by it. The house has 38 rooms, and we had these visions about these big, beautiful, artistic rooms devoid of any kind of furniture bar one item. And, of course, that's not at all how I've ended up designing this house. After we lived here a bit, I realised that was crazy. It was built largely in the 1880s, 1890s. That's the original part of the building. It's called Second Empire. It's a version of uh, Victorian architecture. Very grand. And then in the 90s, there was an extension done to expand the funeral business where they put on um, a large area around the, the building where they could house three, 400 people in a big open area. The first time I stepped into this house, and it was amazing. It was huge, um, very blue and pink, because that was the general theme of the house. And it was very peaceful, weirdly. I didn't think it would be, but it really was. I didn't feel scared. I didn't feel like anything was trying to hurt me, or there was any danger. Um, yeah, no, it was really nice. Well, I loved it, to be honest. Well, you know, another new space. We were always excited to move. We knew it was going to be hectic. I don't think we knew how hectic it was going to get, but all in all, and we were all 
very happy to be moving. It's our dream home. It's an amazing luxury to be able to do something like this. 140 years, house of got a history. There was, however, something that made itself known instantly. The first things I started to notice when we moved into the house were probably uh, how many bats we have. And we had actual live bats flying around the house. I think my brother had to dodge a few. I mean, he's really tall, so. Literally the first night, Noah and I were sharing a room together. So that was kind of our first experience when we woke up to these weird chirping noises we did not recognize. And then, of course, you know, preceding months, we would have bats in the bathrooms. We'd have bats in the bedrooms. I woke up to a bat on my pillow. <laughs> Just everywhere. Yeah, awful. It was only after we'd been here a little while, started to sleep here, started to start the renovations, um, that we started to notice things. There wasn't one thing that happened at the very beginning that sort of triggered things. It was just always there. As we moved in and started living here and we had a house full of contractors and trades and a TV crew and that kind of thing, only after people started to leave that we really understood how much was happening. We noticed doors opening and closing. We noted lights going on and off. Um, the dogs would freak out over the main staircase. They, and to this day, they growl at it, they bark at it. They won't stand on it. They'll run up or down, but they, they won't just stop on the stairs. So some of the things that we experience most often, um, the first one is two gentlemen talking in the basement. So this is the old part of the house. Um, underneath the room that we use as sort of a games family room, just two gentlemen talking. You become aware that there's a, a rumbling. And when it first started happening, I thought I was hearing someone from the crew or, you know, Aaron and Raph talking somewhere. It's definitely men. And it took a little while to realize that, no, this, this is something completely different. There's no specific time it happens. There's no specific day of the week or triggering events or anything. It's just a couple of people chatting. For me, I, I don't really see things or hear things as much. Um, shadows more than anything else. Honestly, at first, like seeing a shadow anywhere else, you don't really think about it. It's normally a corner of the eye edge vision type of thing where you see a bit of movement and you put it down instinctively to dogs, trees, clouds. It's only if you stop to think about it that you realize that none of that, none of that adds up and that it's dark outside, the curtains are drawn, the dogs are asleep at my feet, there's no one else in the room or everybody else is sitting down and then you realize well you've definitely seen something large, probably human shaped, move in a shadowy motion. Um, and once you sort of see it, you can't not see them more and not to be paranoid about it, but you definitely 
do see them on occasion. So yeah, I've seen them a few times. When I woke up to my locked door open, like wide open, if you've seen the show, you know that I have a mural painted in my room. So I shut my door every night so I'm like surrounded by the mural and I'm really like in it. Uh, and I lock it, you know, my door has a lock on it. Um, so I turn off all my lights in my living area, then I go in and I lock the door. I make sure it's locked, like I wiggle it around. And then I shut my lights off, get into bed and I go to sleep. And usually, you know, it's an old house, you'll hear creaks and pops, that's just what old houses do. And it was, you know, bright and early, my alarm went off, but I woke up and it's halfway open. Because it was also swinging, like it was newly opened. And I go and I grab the doorknob. The like the actual door handle was still locked, but the door itself was open. This was like three months after living in the house. I know that my door locks. I hear music coming from the basement, predominantly in the evenings or at night time. And it sounds like jazz. Um, it's, it sounds like a, an old record playing in the basement or radio or something. And it drifts up through the floorboards or the HVAC or wherever it's coming up through. And you can hear it and you, you can hear it fairly clearly. Um, and it, it plays for a few minutes and then it stops. Uh, my dad has an office right by the mirrored staircase and he keeps the door open and I'm walking past it, I have my laundry basket in hand and it's a pretty wide like platform so you're not going to hit the door or anything. Pass the door and I start going and set and I hear it creaking and it just slowly shuts and it's not like bouncing off the frame it like fully shuts but it's on carpet it doesn't swing it get it was lodged in the carpet that's one of the reasons my dad probably doesn't shut it because it's really annoying to close and it just fully shut on me like i've said noah kind of always goes on and on about ghosts so when she started up we, we just kind of kept ignoring her as usual. Um, you know, it was when my mum, I think, started bringing up stuff because she's usually, at least in other homes, she, she doesn't really permit any other supernatural talk. And uh, so when she started to say she heard stuff in the basement or seeing stuff on the stairwell, we kind of started to pay attention a little bit more and listen to Monkey and her stories. And she actually played a good part in researching all this. So I'll give it to her. She, she helped um, bring to light some of this weird occurrences, I guess you could say. The one thing that stands out for me was the voices. There's a voice that shouts, hello. Um, I was working up my office one day, heard somebody shout, hello. hello. Clear female voice. I just assumed it was Noah or it was Heather or someone else in the building. And there were only three or four people in the building at the time, as far as I thought. In a loud manner that, you know, if you open someone's front door, you come and you go, hello, who's there? And it was about where 
the old front door would have been before the extension happened in the late 90s. And in my mind, that's where the voice came from, as if somebody was shouting hello as you come into the building. So I was like, shouted hello back. Um, didn't get a response, got up, walked downstairs, couldn't find anybody. Called Heather on her cell phone, because the easiest way to find people in this building is just to call them. And I got a text from him eventually saying, why were you shouting around the house? What are you doing? Where have you gone? And I'm like, I've been out for the last like three hours. And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm out. No is at school. There's no one else there. But I'd heard somebody shout hello. And that kind of creeped me out. About three o'clock in the morning, not sleeping, in the art studio and I was painting. And this woman just shouts, hello. And I have never gone so cold so quickly. And I'm there. And I, I very quietly shout back, hello because I actually dread that she's going to answer me. And the dogs are next to me, and they start growling. But none of us move. I, I stand for, it felt like days, but it was probably 15 minutes before I even dared move. It was just terrifying. There was no rational explanation for where this voice could be coming from. And then it started happening more often. It's happened to trades that have been here. In fact, one of the, the trades that worked here, he used to put his radio on really loud because he used to hear footsteps and someone shouting all the time. And it's happened to um, Becky, who comes in and helps us clean the house once a week. She's had it happen. She came up to me. I was at the top of the house doing Noah's bedroom at the time. She was like, yeah, you called? I'm like, nope. But again, it's now we know, and she'll shout, and so we answer now because maybe she needs answering, and it's just, you know, one of those things that happens in the house. Hello? I think being in the funeral home and seeing some of the shadows, hearing the voice, um, has definitely opened my eyes a bit. I never 100% dismissed it as well, being fake or not true. Um, I think there's probably a higher probability that there's definitely other stuff out there. The building being an abandoned business, one would expect you'd find evidence of that left behind. But let's not forget, this was a funeral home. So when we moved in, we really hoped to find a lot of cool stuff left behind. Um, to the previous funeral director's credit, um, they'd done a great job of cleaning out the building, selling off equipment, so we really didn't find very much. I think the most interesting thing we found, which we preserved, was an old body box. You heard right, a body box. Bodies, when they're flown or transported, tend to be moved around, not in caskets, but in cardboard boxes. And because of the nature of what was in those cardboard boxes, you can't just roll them up with your recycling. So we've heard from other funeral directors what tends to happen to body boxes is they just end up in big stacks in, in basements or in garages. And we found a body box in the old basement. Um, that was probably the most most obvious, most interesting thing. And we wanted to do the right thing for the for the person who was transported. And so we've we've preserved it and framed it. I started seeing uh, a gentleman that walks around the house a lot. So fairly early on, after we'd moved into the house, Aaron and I were in one of the bedrooms. We were using it as a temporary bedroom. Um, 
and I insist on sleeping with the door open. The bedroom's at the top of the staircase. In bed, reading one night, and I, I caught a glimpse of movement out of the corner of my eye. I saw a gentleman, clear as day. Nothing misty or foggy or... It, it was a man that walked up the stairs and turned right to walk down the hall, corridor. I didn't hear anything. There were no footsteps. It was just a man. Gripped onto Aaron. I was like, did you see that? And he did his usual, you know, no, you're nuts kind of thing. He is probably in his early mid-thirties. He's got dark hair graying at the sides. Um, he does not have any beard or anything. He's got a white shirt on and dark trousers. And he's just walking about, doing his business, going from room to room. And so now I often see him, particularly if I'm in the parlour, he will walk around through the parlour and he will walk around and go up the main staircase or he'll walk through and turn left at the staircase and walk into the old part of the building. He never comes into the chapel and the new bit. He only stays in the old bit, which makes me think it's the residual because he's walking a path he knows. It shocked me but didn't scare me. It, I mean, don't get me wrong, I was frozen. I was, you know, literally rigid. What's weird is my brain didn't go, oh my God, we've got someone in the house. It immediately jumped to, that's not real. That's a ghost. I'm not nuts. I don't think I'm nuts. You know, this is happening. How do I explain away these things? What, what's the logic behind it? Seeing him happens very, very often. I see him on almost a weekly basis. After receiving a tour of the house, Heather brought me into a room that was very uncomfortable. It's calm and it's lovely. I wander around here at, you know, three o'clock in the morning in the dark and nothing bothers me. But with the exception of one area of the house, so this is a room that is part of the original house. So the house was built in the 1880s. It's above the garage. And this room was used when the house was a funeral home as sort of an, they called it the overflow area. And it held caskets and it held sometimes bodies. And apparently there was also some embalming done there when it was too crowded downstairs. It's beige and it's got carpet and it's just, it looks like every sort of family room's dens from the 80s. It's nothing. I won't go up there unless all the lights are on and I've got the dogs with me. Every time I go up there, all the hair on the back of my neck goes, my fingers go cold and I know I'm not welcome. And I, yeah, I hate it. Absolutely hate it not heard anything I've not seen anything this is pure emotion that drives it and I am definitely unwelcome I feel that very clearly Heather and Aaron were able to learn a bit more about the building's past occupants through speaking to people in the town and having a very inquisitive daughter documentation on deaths in the house was non-existent 
but common sense tells you a house that's you know 140 plus years old forget that it was a funeral home given the time period that the house has gone through people have died in this house this house hasn't actually been owned by that many people there's some interesting sort of tragedies along the way so it was built in the 1880s by a wealthy lumber baron um, who went through some hard times and lost it sort of at the turn of the century in the very early 1900s. Separated from his wife, had had a former wife who had died. Um, and then it's a gentleman that died during the building of the house. And again, we don't know the circumstances of how he died. We just know that there was a death here then. Lots going on there. It was then bought by Daniel Hicks and his father, and they actually created the funeral home. And his father was an important man in town. On Christmas Day, um, in the very early 1900s, went into town for one reason or another, uh, to a property that he owned, that exploded father and grandfather died in an explosion on Christmas Day um, and apparently not long after that um, they decided to move away. It was then passed on to the clerks um, who held the house for a very long time, decades, and operated it as a, a home and a funeral home. So clerks are the ones that lost a couple of daughters in the home and then it came to the de Burgers, who lived very quietly here without any incidents, from what I can tell, <laughs> before eventually coming to us. And through further conversation, learned more about the ghosts in the building. There's a gentleman that's seen on the outside of the house, standing on a couple of the porches in the backs that everyone is convinced is Daniel Hicks. There was an incident with the contractor that worked in the house who saw a man that looked like Aaron, my husband, on the porch. The porch was all ripped apart at that point. You couldn't get to it from the outside or the inside. He was adamant it was Aaron, and of course we knew it wasn't. So he'd seen him, and I, I showed him a picture of Daniel Hicks, and I was like, any chance? He's like, yep, yeah, absolutely, that's the guy. Months later, I was talking to one of our neighbours, um, and she had seen the television show and so had seen the scene where the contractor and I had been discussing this Daniel Hicks. And she was like, oh yeah, everyone knows him. He's always around. Everyone's seen him outside the building. He walks around all the time. But apparently he's a, a very stern man that often walks around with his arms crossed and yeah. One of the, the sort of ghost stories that we heard about the house is the lady in blue. One of the former residents of the home, lady that came to see us, her name is Linda Clements. Uh, she's part of the Clark family that used to run this as a funeral home. And told us the story that her sister, older sister and mother, used to talk about the lady in blue. That she appeared on the stairs all of the time, very friendly, never said anything, just smiled at them. And she gave us a description of what the lady in blue looked like, but nobody knew who the lady in blue was. Two daughters of one of the former funeral directors died in the house. Um, one, we don't know how she died. That whole thing seems a little mysterious. 
Gertrude was one of the daughters of the former owner and she fell down the stairs um, the main staircase that the dogs react to um, and she died on the stairs Noah got to be in her bonnet about the story she's obsessed with everything like this um, and through doing some research with uh, a local historian team and through the television production company that we had a lot of research went in and they actually ended up tracking down relatives that even Linda didn't know about who also told us a story about Lady in Blue only they had the details and the photographs so they produced a family photograph pointed out who Gertrude is she matches the description entirely and as it turns out she died on the stairs after falling down them so we're pretty certain that this lady in blue is Gertrude Clark. We'd love to see her. Apparently, um, talking to Carol and uh, from everything that her mother and sister has said, apparently she's very friendly and just smiles at whoever's there. She does interact. So she's not just smiling, she's actually looking at you and following you around. She doesn't talk, but she smiles at you. Dogs really hate the old main staircase. This is the staircase, again, sort of in my mind, where at the foot you hear the hello voice. It's where I think Noah's figured out that someone died. This is the lady in blue who's been seen by other people, not by us, but she died in those staircases. We'll be sitting and watching TV or middle of the day. This is not a nighttime thing particularly. And the dogs, and we've got big Great Danes, so the heckles will rise, like vicious deep growling noise, and they'll stalk towards the stairs. Dogs kind of follow or track something as if they were tracking a squirrel in that area, and then they'll come back inside and sort of cuddle up with us. Um, or if you get them to go up and down the stairs, they race up and down them. They never just walk. The Labrador walks up and down the stairs, but that's because he's very fat. But the Great Danes, because they can, gallop up and down it. Noah's experiences continued in the house, some that weren't as frightening. Another weird experience I've had, and I was sleeping, and I kind of half woke up because I felt pressure on my bed. Right on the corner, but it's like right by my leg, it felt like a person because it was like a really big round pressure. <laughs> so I thought it was my dad, no offense to him, and then I thought it was my mom. And then I remembered I had my door locked. So I quickly sit up to see who it is. And no one's there. But there's like an indent in my bed where someone was. My dog, Fire, he died right before we moved into the house. Uh, he would sleep on my bed every single night from when I first got him to his passing. Fire always slept at the bottom left corner of my bed, curled up in a little fat ball. In that area, the bottom left corner where Fire used to sleep, is where I felt the pressure and where the indent was. I would like to think it was Fire, because I think I've seen him around the house a few times actually, um, so I would like to think it was him. So I've said goodnight to my parents and I'm getting ready to go to sleep and I'm walking up to the staircase. 
and all of a sudden you just hear really loud. We were all in separate parts of the house, and this house is 14,000 square feet, whatever it is. It was very high-pitched, it was clearly a woman's voice. I mean, like, blood-curdling scream. It stops, and I'm, like, looking around, just like, was that outside? Noah and I heard it. Aaron heard it too. Aaron rationalised it as someone outside was playing. But it was echoing, like, it was clearly in my hallway. So this scream echoed around the house. So both me and my mum heard it, and my mum has actually heard it a few times, I'm pretty sure. Um, it w- and it was long. It was drawn out, and it was loud. And then my dad's just like, there's no lady screaming. Stop making up ghost stories. Noah and I are absolutely adamant that it happened in the house. One that did... I didn't... I don't believe it. I don't... I don't think it was a ghost or anything, but it did freak me out. Noah had just started doing all of her research on the lady in blue, I believe she was called. Um, And she told me when she was going to bed, she saw on on her bed a little dip appear as if someone was sitting down. She said she felt somebody sitting there. While she was wide awake, and I know, no, she she does stay up quite late, and she's very much aware. So that was a little, I don't know, a little disturbing to hear your little sister say, I think there's somebody sitting on my bed. Um, so that was freaky. I didn't, you know, I don't believe it was something, but even as a ghost story, that's pretty creepy, so... <laughs> For me to believe something's going on, I would have to see something. Hearing something, I I wouldn't, that wouldn't do it for me. A voice is a voice, but if I saw something, I don't know, move, like a, you know, something that wasn't an electrical problem going off, then then I'm sure I'd, I'd give more. As they continue to live in the house, new things start popping up. There's been recently um, some footsteps that happened and both Noah and I have had it happen to us and it's been when we've been in the house by ourselves very clear, very heavy footsteps that go across the hallway on the second floor and down the main staircase and I don't know why it sounds ridiculous but they're terrifying they are so intimidating. I was calling Aaron and Noah who were in the truck on the way back to the house and had them on the phone until they got home. It was not pleasant, but it doesn't happen very often. I was actually in what is what we have now as the parlor, the green area of the house, which again is part of the old building. I was standing in that room and... H suddenly started and froze, and I was in the middle of talking to her. I was standing in the parlor. She was in in the doorway opposite me, and I asked her what was wrong, and she, um, she said there was somebody standing next to me. I didn't see anything, didn't feel anything, but she, clear as day, saw somebody standing there. Um, and interestingly, the dogs were grumbling, which I'd put down to just them being hungry or just annoying, but they were they were complaining, and then she saw someone standing there. In designing this house, um, I actually made a career transition. So I used to be super corporate, um, 
working in mergers and acquisitions for a huge global company, decided to quit that and get back into my creative side, which is the design. So interior design and styling. I buy um, a lot of furniture and a lot of items from auctions, usually estate sales. Um, is it possible that something has come back with one of those items to the house? 100%. The scary footsteps that I've referenced, they weren't happening for, we've been in the house now nearly 18 months. We never had a problem with anything like that. I'd like to think it's not final. Um, it'd be interesting to think that there is something more. Um, and I think there's definitely something here. I don't particularly think it's evil in the building. Don't feel that this is a bad place. I think my general perspectives on funeral homes, and this has been a funeral home longer than it's been anything else. It's a place you come and celebrate, generally. You might be pissed at them, but you generally come to a funeral to celebrate someone even if it's sad. So most of the time don't feel creepy here. In fact, feel far more relaxed walking around this building than I ever have in the UK or in other cities we've lived in. Um, but yeah, there's definitely something to it. It'll be interesting to see what happens over the next few years as we do more work and just live here. I feel like what's needed to be said is that people really shouldn't be afraid of them. I know a lot of people are like, oh, a ghost, that's so scary and dangerous. And yeah, there's scary and dangerous ones out there. Doing those whole exorcisms and smudging to get rid of them purposely, it's just rude to them. They're trying to live their non-life life. I never really had to formulate an opinion on the supernatural until moving to the funeral home, to be honest, um, until Noah and mum started barraging all of these um, ideas about specters and ladies in blue and such. I, I still firmly believe, no, nothing has occurred. Um, it's a very old house. We have three dogs and there's four of us, lots of noises, lots of voices. I don't, I just, I, there's no evidence for me to believe anything. Not that I'm unpermitting. It's just I need something a little more concrete before I uh, preach. I'm very open to belief, but you know, we are here as entities is suspicious enough for me to believe that there is an afterlife or ghosts or whatever form we take on. I, I totally, I totally believe it's possible. There's, there's enough there to warrant it. So until, until then, I guess. I have always believed in the paranormal from, it, I mean, little girl, as, as long as I can remember. It was only after moving here and things started to build and build that I really kind of got back to my, okay, I need to make sure that I'm keeping my mind open. I need to make sure that I'm staying aware of what's happening and kind of friendly to it, if you want, because I, you know, rather than being scared and skeptical and all the rest of it I wanted to be open so it's something about moving here and being out in the country and being frankly more relaxed means I think that I'm probably more receptive than I ever was in the city that's a better way of putting it so 
it's been a good move, mostly. A special thanks to the Blumbergs for sharing their story. If you have a sec, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. It helps those that can't sleep through the night find us. Do you have a story you've been hiding? Submit it to us at hello.geist.podcast at gmail.com. Voice submission and written submissions welcome. Geist is written and directed by Danielle Matar. Original music and FX by Bo Jensen. Geist is mixed and mastered by Adam Esker. Geist logo is by Jake Carruthers. Episode artwork is by Playdead Cult. Follow us on Instagram at Geist underscore podcast and on TikTok at Geist Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, sleep tight.